Warning, Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like and and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. This is going to be a hex of a good episode, folks. Welcome to Tongue in Geek, where two more white guys on the internet give their unrequested opinions on popular culture. I'm Isaac. And I'm Tyler. And today's topic is Marvel's WandaVision, streaming on Disney Plus, the first of MCU's streaming series, if you don't count all the Netflix series that aren't... Are they... They're not canon anymore, are they? I mean... I mean, they were originally supposed to be, but, like, I kind of think, like, they softly just, like, eh, like, it's canon, but not canon. I don't know. I, I don't personally care, but, yeah, I don't really think they're canon canon. Yeah, Daredevil's anymore. dead. He doesn't exist anymore. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, WandaVision. You want to give us a little background on the series, Tyler? Um, well, like Isaac said, it is the first, the exclusive Disney Plus MCU TV shows. I think it was a pretty interesting choice that uh, they went with WandaVision first over maybe something more, I guess, with a bigger appeal with, with bigger characters. Um, but they went with WandaVision first, which I am totally okay with because they are the two characters, besides Bucky, ironically, who's getting more development in Falcon and Winter Soldier now, that I wanted to see more of in the films, but never never got quite as much as I wanted. Yeah, my my opinion on as far as uh, risk-taking with their properties, um, I think Marvel can basically do whatever since Guardians of the Galaxy succeeded. Like, if they can make Guardians of the Galaxy a massive success, then they can make any of their properties a big success. Yep, uh, you're dead on with that, because, I mean, I remember um, back when that was coming out in 2014, the MCU has already had, like, its... It's already cemented itself as, like, the next big pop culture thing. Guardians of the Galaxy was building up, and people were like, is this going to be their first flop? Is this going to be, like, the, the thing that finally makes people go, like, Ugh, maybe the MCU isn't infallible. But no, yeah. it became, like, one of their biggest Massive properties success. of all time. And one of their, like, best. like And one of their best, still, Consistently yes. funny and, like, interesting premises. Uh, but back to WandaVision. Yeah, this series was created by Jack Schaefer and directed by Matt Shackman. Matt Shackman, who... Yeah? Sorry to interrupt, but I think this is a really fun little Easter egg. Mm -hmm. um, he directed, I think, over 40 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Really? Yes. Huh. So, um... Interesting. Yeah. Two amazing television shows under his belt now. Interestingly enough, I don't really see the influence of It's Always Sunny here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it might just be the Disney polish where they're like, hey, we're not going to let you put all that in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't really see that here. He's Yeah, I would be interested. I mean, I'm sure there's interviews out there that we probably could have done our due diligence to, like, look up and give facts out. But mm -hmm. I, I want to know how the guy who directed close to 50 episodes of It's Always Sunny landed the job of directing a huge tentpole show for Disney. Could you imagine if they got to, like, the 2010s era episode? Because each episode's like a sitcom era. If they got to, like, the 2010s one and it was just, like, an oh, Always Sunny yeah. episode with Wanda and Vision, that would have been amazing. They just had, like, the, the, the It's Always Sunny-esque, like, 
cold opening and then like yeah. cut to the ironic title card. <laughs> It'd be it would have been great. Vision, um, I swear, I'm not gonna trap the whole town in one of my hexes. <laughs> cut Wanda traps entire town in one of her hexes. Yeah. So this series is very, very, very loosely based on, as far as I can tell, two different comic series, um, loosely on yeah. House of M, where Wanda like changes reality. And also, uh, I found out that it was influenced by Tom King's run of the Vision comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good comic. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, well, I've actually, no, I read House of M a long time ago, but I haven't read the Tom King Vision run. You would enjoy it. Oh. We'll check it. Well, I might look into it after this, but uh, let's just jump right in. So, yeah, quick rundown of the series for those who haven't said. Also, we should really throw this at the very beginning of each podcast episode. This is a spoiler review. We're always going to get really, really, really deep into spoilers. So, yeah, and it's it's already ancient history as far as internet times concerned. Oh, yeah. so if you're worried about spoilers at this point, like why would you even be listening to a podcast about the, it? The only people who wouldn't have seen this series already are people who aren't into the MCU, and those people really shouldn't watch this series because <laughs> they're not going to understand anything that's going hmm. on. I might want to get into that Marvel thing. Let's yeah. start with this WandaVision show. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Let's start with two of like, the B-list heroes that barely got any development earlier. Uh, yeah, so this series takes place... It starts off really interesting with... Wanda and Vision in a small town community in like a 50s era sitcom. And, uh, it starts off with them trying to like hide the fact that Vision is a robot and Wanda has superpowers. And what's confusing is Vision's dead after the events of Endgame or actually Infinity War. And, uh, so it starts off already very unsettling. Like, it doesn't bother telling you how they got back together, what's going on. It just starts off with this little sitcom premise of them, like, his boss comes over for dinner, and it, like, it's got some cute little charming moments, like an old 50s sitcom would, but it slowly gets more and more unsettling as it goes. That's the general... Tr- I would say that's the general trend of the series up until episode th- four? Yeah, it's episode four. Yeah, but episode four... Or no, at the end of episode three, we find out that there are people trying to get into uh, this small town where Wanda Vision is, or Wanda is. Uh, uh, Westview it, is Westview. the name of the town. Yeah, in New Jersey, and um, in episode four, we find out that she has actually altered reality around this entire town to be this like little small, perfect sitcom community for her. And uh, the government, or S.W.O.R.D., I think is the agency. It's S.W.O.R.D., yep, they bring in S.W.O.R.D. They bring in S.W.O.R.D. to try and get her to stop. And I'll say this, uh, what I really appreciate about episode four is the moments where they talk about the consequences of, like, the snap. (laughs) I love that they're calling it the blip. Yeah, the blip. (laughs) It's great. Because nobody saw that hit, like, Thanos snap, but, like... Yeah, that's that's the fandom term for what it is. It's great, uh, but I love seeing anything that like addresses the consequences of Infinity War because you know every when that movie came out, everybody was like, "Oh, everything is going to get fixed in the next movie. It's going to retcon everything." It's like, no, there have been like long lasting consequences for the events of Infinity War. Like, yeah, a bunch of the heroes we like are back, but like, there's a lot of stuff that's different now. Uh, so yeah. 
what is the Monica something is the Monica Rambo. Yeah. She um is an agent of sword who after have being snapped slash blipped comes back. Uh, she rejoins with sword under director. What's his face? Boring evil guy. Uh, spoiler, I guess for the spoiler review, he's evil. <laughs> his name is Tyler. Uh, his name's Tyler. Yeah. His first name is Tyler. It's Tyler Haywood. Ah, uh, okay. Well, director Haywood, uh, basically sends her off to figure out what's going on in this town. She meets up with, is it Jimmy? I- I'm so bad with names. <laughs> the agent guy. The Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Yeah, she meets up with him, and they start trying to figure out what the heck's going on in this small town that's been taken over by Wanda. Uh, she manages to get inside and contact Wanda, but she has all of her uh, memories messed with. She's like thinks she's a sitcom person as soon as she enters, uh, and when she comes back out, she remembers everything. And it turns out Wanda has like brainwashed this entire town into believing that they are in like this little sitcom world separated from everything else and it's pretty it's pretty dark because there are moments where like the control slips a little bit and you'll see like how they're like kind of still aware of everything going on underneath and like how they're conscious of like being mind controlled it it gets pretty gruesome in some bits when you see like the cracks showing let's She's- pump the brakes on uh, summarizing the whole thing and just kind of yeah kind of just kind of jump into expectations if we had any impressions um I'd like to backtrack and uh, say and pontificate because I love pontificating about my own opinions. Mm-hmm. That's um, how we started a podcast. <laughs> we in private, you know, in our own conversations, have talked about it before. Uh, I was, uh, I was one of those guys for a while. That was just, I just kind of got burnt out on the MCU. Yeah. Um, I was, a, I was a fan, of course. I, from Iron Man onward, like it had me, but. Somewhere along the line, I won't get into too much detail about it. I know exactly where along the line. It's Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Maybe that'll be a different podcast. That's a different episode. Somewhere along the line, it just kind of lost me. And, like, it just wasn't hitting for me. And I was still in it for certain movies. But, like, after a point, like, they all just kind of started to feel samey. A little rote. Just... They their house style just kind of started to blend together. Yeah, and um, even for Infinity War, I was like, man, I'm just I'm kind of done. I'm not. I don't. I don't care. I wish I did, but I don't. And so I didn't even see Infinity War in theaters until like weeks later. Because mm-hmm. um, I just wasn't hyped, but like I figured I would just to do it for completionist sake. Enjoyed it okay, but didn't love it. I slowly got reeled back in with the Endgame hype. I started to get nostalgic, you know, like, oh, man, I've, you know, so many of the other fans have been with this since Iron Man. I'll see it to the end. And uh, I really loved Endgame, and that kind of pulled me back, and then I really loved Far From Home. So I'm like, okay, they still have they still have me. You went back and watched a few movies, and, like, your opinions changed, I remember. Or am I completely wrong on that? Really disliked Homecoming. No, you're not. Um, we saw Homecoming together in theaters, and I didn't like it at all. I thought it was awful. Yeah. And, um... Because I just, I had my mind made up, basically, which I hate doing because it makes me a hypocrite because I always preach, like, never have preconceived notions, give everything a chance, but I just, I was like, <laughs> and um, I was one of the few people that didn't like Homecoming, I didn't like Black Panther, Woo! Mm. then I went back to watch Black Panther, and that movie deserves all the hype it got, it's, oh, it's fantastic. Great. Aside from, like, and, uh, a few things in the ending that kind of fell through, it is a great movie. 
it is. It is fantastic. And uh, I really love Homecoming now, but getting it back to WandaVision, uh, even though Endgame kind of reeled me back in and and Far From Home, which is kind of like the coda to Endgame, um, I still wasn't quite excited for the future of the franchise because, like, it felt, you know, it felt over. It felt like a huge cap-off. That year-long break in 2020 was yeah. very much needed. <laughs> The only thing I was excited for was the prospects of Guardians 3 and Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Those are the only things I was really looking forward to. And then they announced all these Disney Plus shows. And I'm just like, God, that's just too much content. It's just too much. Like, they're going to burn me out all over again. And I just had, I like a dummy, I had my preconceived notions. I'm like, they're going to be lazy. They're going to be safe. It's just a way to, you know keep hold of everybody's wallets Mm -hmm. and everybody's attention. The trailers for everything that they released a while back, that got my attention. I'm like, nah, these look better than I anticipated. Yeah. Well, behold, WandaVision drops that first episode takes, it takes a chance immediately. It's abs. It's like nothing else in the MCU. But by this time, by this point, we're 11 years into the franchise. You, you know, for the most part, what an MCU project is going to be you know you know what it's going to feel like look like sound like but aside from that one scene in the first pilot episode of wandavision where things kind of get a little spooky a little disconcerting it's a straight up sitcom episode it's an homage it's an homage to 1950s sitcoms and it's like okay they're doing something different and you get the feeling that it's going to lead to something meaningful as it goes on and it does. It's not just a cute gimmick for a gimmick's sake. And even even the spooky bit, like, there's not really been sort of existential cosmic horror. And I, I guess you could say the snap in Infinity War, where everybody dies, but that's more of like a like a defeat moment than it feels like a what's going on, like something very unsettling is going on with reality moment. Uh, yeah, it's it's the the franchise has never played with unsettling mystery before yeah for the first half of the series wandavision is an unsettling mystery cloaked in this sitcom world yeah you don't see outside of the town at all until episode four uh so you have no idea what's going on around them you just know that they're here in this little sitcom world uh living their little happy lives with like uncomfortable cracks showing every now and then and yep, there's just all these little cryptic clues of, you know, things not being right. Mm-hmm. And and I think they were really Disney was really smart in releasing it weekly instead of just dropping it at once. Yeah. Cuz it gives you that cuz people are just so used to binging things now. Yeah. Like the whole water cooler, you know, thing of, "Oh, what's going to happen? What do you think of that?" Like uh, it had that effect. Which which kept the hype going. Yeah, I, I'm usually for like having everything available all at once, but with series like this where there's like an ongoing mystery to unravel, I think it definitely benefits from like a weekly release because it's like people can build up their fan theories, people can discuss like all the crazy stuff they tried to catch, you know, look through go back through the episode and look for little Easter eggs, try and figure out the mystery along the way. Uh so yeah, I think the weekly release definitely worked for this series. I'm not too pl- I, I'm not too plugged into um fandom chatter. Um I I I glean the surface of fandom chatter, 
if if I go too deep, I tend to get annoyed because you know how fandoms can be. Yeah, as someone who has professionally studied fandoms uh, academically, I can <laughs> yes, tell you that are, a lot of this is your uh, degree. This yeah. is your profession. Yeah, I can tell you that it gets really obnoxious really fast if you spend too much time online with fandoms. But <laughs> although the reception to the uh, to the show at first was mostly positive, the 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 vocal minority that was against it because it didn't give you that typical MCU experience right off the bat was loud. They're like, what is this nonsense? Why is it in black and white? Why is it this like weird, kitschy sitcom-y thing? Like, Where's my it, it CGI fight? <laughs> it, it threw people off for the first three episodes. Like, is this all it's going to be? Like, what is it doing? What? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's not then- too many, like, effects, really. I mean, there are some. But, like, in the first episode, which we should also say, uh, each episode shifts the era of sitcoms. Yes. From so the, decade to decade. Yeah, so the first episode is, like, 1950s, I Love Lucy style. Uh, then the next is, like, the 60s, and then the 70s, and so on. Um, in the first in the first episode, the effects are, like, really, really basic, like, cutaway things, where they'll, be like, they'll just cut away and suddenly something will appear whenever, like, Wanda does her magic or something. Like um, it would be in an actual 50s TV production. Yeah, which is which is a brilliant way to both save money and uh, play with the whole, like, time era skipping thing that they were doing. So, it was very... Like th- there was a lot of creativity going into this, both from like a how are we going to save money, how are we going to do like a television show instead of a big budget movie, and in like a how are we going to build up the suspense for this. As as it went on, what kept striking me as you know amazing is that there's just there's genuine care and 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 passion put into the story and the characters it it ties itself into the greater mcu while still telling a personal story and none of the like references or callbacks that you expect from the franchise now none of it feels shoehorned none of it feels cliche none of it feels lazy i love it's so it's so confident it all it all feels organic they bring in darcy from the thor movies she's a co-lead jimmy woo from the ant-man movies He's a co-lead. These, these little characters, you know, that you enjoy in, in the movies when they show up, they come in and they're given like a whole new canvas to be painted on. Yeah. And it just makes you appreciate it all, all the more. I love the little commercials that they throw in oh, at the main yes. point where like each one references some major event in like Wanda's life. And it's like showing you that like, hey, maybe she's not as stable as she's acting uh, the way it builds up. Like there was one that was like about her accident in Sokovia where she killed a bunch of people except it's just like a like a cleaning product or something <laughs> like it's brilliantly thrown in there these little uh tributes but um i guess kind of getting back to the recap there is a big shift uh both in tone and in the way the story's going at episode 4 because we finally realize what's going on outside of the town uh what's kind of going on around her and now we have this new cast of characters to follow it's not it, mm-hmm. it's not exclusively about Wanda and Vision anymore from what i've seen online this is where a lot of people kind of feel the show starts to dip a bit 
because they think that like they were like really invested in figuring out the mystery for themselves and mm-hmm. then the mystery starts like you start seeing these other characters trying to figure out the mystery and so yeah. they start like piecing things together for the audience and i think this is where a lot of people are like ah oh, man i really wanted to figure that out myself i wanted to put these pieces together along the way instead of like kind of following other characters trying to figure out the mystery. And I think that's a totally viable opinion. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that camp myself. I do think the first three, epi- first three episodes had me hooked. And then once we had all these side characters, which I like, I like Darcy and I like Jimmy Woo and I like, uh, oh crap. I keep forgetting her name. Monica. Monica. I like all Monica of them. Rambo. Yeah. I like all of them as side characters starting to figure out this story. Uh, and what's going on with Wanda, but I do think that there was a lot more, like, emotional intrigue when it was just Wanda and Vision and you're seeing their world slowly collapse. Yeah, um, I, I saw both reactions, the one you described and, um, the, the opposite where the people who just couldn't handle the, the sitcom mystery aspect of the first three episodes. Finally, we know what's going on. I'm, I'm into it now. I'm, I also agree with you, and then the other side. It the the fourth episode isn't a bad episode. It's no. just it's just the exposition episode. It's all exposition. It's all exposition. What it does with the blip, like I said earlier, is great. I yes, like but the, the, the blip with Monica, like yeah. get, getting back and exploring her character, um, who was the probably the best character in Captain Marvel. That's a digression. So, yeah, we should throw that in there. Uh, Monica is the daughter of Captain Marvel's friend uh, from the Captain Marvel movie, uh, who is like her buddy in the Air Force that you meet. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that character is dead now. Uh, She died like during the time that Monica was gone. So Monica has this whole thing where not only is she trying to have to deal with like the loss of time from the blip. She's also dealing with the loss of her mother uh, from like being gone when her mother died, which is a great little, uh, I mean, I mean, it's, I don't know if they necessarily land it, but it's a great way to immediately endear the audience to her. So like we have two reasons now to follow, like care about what's going on with her. Yeah, she is. She is absolutely the anchor of the, outside of Westview side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, as fun and as fun as Darcy and Wu, people love Wu. Wu he's is, a fun, he's a fun character. He's, he's a likable fun. character. But, yeah. But if, if it's not for the emotional investment of Monica Rambeau, the sword aspect of the, of the story would not, it work would nearly, it as would well. completely uh, fall flat as generic Marvel, like military trope stuff. But yeah, so there is like a big shift with episode four where suddenly, hey, we're getting all this exposition, figuring out what's going on. Uh, and from there, it starts shifting back and forth between the stuff going on inside the town with Wanda and Vision and the stuff going on outside with the people trying to get through to Wanda, trying to get these people out of the town and like in the hex is what they call it uh, on the town. Yeah. It's interesting because you see Vision himself starting to realize the cracks in the uh, reality. Because, like, most of it's, like, for the first few episodes, you're, like, Wanda's seeing everything and Vision's seeing it, too. But Wanda seems to have some kind of, like, control over everyone, including Vision. But slowly, Vision starts to, like, sort of get control of himself and fight against Wanda. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and it builds like this real tension between the two of them, uh, even though it's been this idyllic little world for so long, which builds to a head in, I think, episode five. And right when like they're about to have their huge like coming apart argument, Quicksilver of all people comes back. <laughs> Um, except it's not MCU Quicksilver, it's the yes. Fox Universe Quicksilver from the X-Men movies, which... Kinda sorta. Well, Kinda yeah, sorta, yeah. That's, that's the thing. A lot of people, when they saw that, myself included, uh, was like, holy shit, this is the moment that, like... Yeah, everybody the MCU, did, every The MCU is bringing Fox characters in, this is going to be the gateway to bring in the X-Men characters, this is gonna be crazy... Uh, I wonder how this is all going to tie together, and we'll get to this closer to the ending, but I might as well just talk about Quick... Let's just talk about Quicksilver now. Um, it's a gag. It ends up being a gag. Yeah, uh, it's a gag, and pissed people off! It really did, myself included. Because uh, it's one thing, I, I get, like, not every fan theory that you have is going to come true, wish fulfillment, whatever, but, like, to throw in something that we already knew was happening because we knew that like the X-Men universe is eventually going to merge into the MCU because Disney bought Fox and whatever. But like they had all of that build up like, Oh my gosh, this is the moment. And it turns out that like, he was just another mind controlled person in the town that was being controlled by another party. Uh, and (laughs) who was also a, a, a dick joke. Yeah. His name was Ralph Boner. Ralph Boner. He was just a dick. He was just a big dick joke, like the whole way through. And it's so disappointing because there's like this interesting chemistry between him and uh, Wanda, especially in the Halloween episode, where like he's like telling her, "Yeah, this is great. I like what you're doing here. Like, I love." Th-. He he's like aware that it's all fake, and at first mm-hmm. he's kind of like. How does he know? Like, what is he like having memories from his existence kind of bleeding through? Like, what's, what's going on? Uh, but it just turns out he was under somebody else's control the whole time. So that was big. Quicksilver was a big letdown. I really was hoping that we would get him in the MCU because he, he's such a fun character in the X-Men movies. Like he's, the, he's, he's a highlight of those later movies. The Quicksilver scenes are amazing. Like both visually and just him as a fun, like, I don't give a crap character who's just kind of like, yeah, I might help sometimes, but whatever. I mean, I'm out. It's weird because. I, for some, like, I feel like it should bother me more than it does because I've been annoyed at similar just gags like that in past MCU movies yeah. and projects. But, like, when I think about it, it does kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of, that's kind of a letdown. But I think at that point in the series, I was so invested in the actual story. Yeah. And, and Wanda as a character and what was going to happen that, him not being Quicksilver and just being a, a dick joke was more of like a, oh, okay, well, whatever. And then I got over it. Yeah. Um, I, I was just disappointed because, like, I, we don't know how they're going to bring the X-Men and stuff, all their Fox properties, into the MCU. Uh, and I would, like, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about the X-Men movies. I, I personally think they're a mixed bag. Um, but... There's a lot of good stuff, especially lore, like world building that the X-Men universe has done yeah. that I think would be great to see in the MCU. 
Uh, and it's kind of disheartening to see them just kind of like, like kind of just play that up for laughs. Like, oh, 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 is this going to, oh, no, it's not. Ha <laughs> ha, see you later. Yeah, it's, the thought process behind it is kind of weird. I, I don't want to get hung up on just one, this one aspect too much because there's so much to talk about with the yeah. show. I love to like most of the Fox X-Men movies. I think when they're on, they're as good or better than the MCU's best. Um, Logan's a masterpiece. Logan, Days of Future's Past, First Class. Deadpool 1 and 2 are also funnier than any MCU movie. I'm sorry. X2. X2. X2 and Days of Future's Past are still some of the best superhero movies ever, in my opinion. But um, anyway... Um, the, the, the cast of the, I would just really would have loved it if the cast of the recent X-Men trilogy, first class, Days of Future's Past, Apocalypse, oh, it's a quadruple trilogy with Dark Phoenix. I forgot all about Dark Phoenix. (laughs) Everybody forgot about Dark Phoenix. I would have loved it if they would have found a way to fold that cast, who's like still young, fit the parts well if they could have found a way to fold that into the MCU, but I guess that's not happening. Oh, well. Oh, well. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Moving um, on. Let's move on to the next part. Let's, let's talk about the the meaning, the themes, the, yeah. the symbolism okay. of, of the show. So, quick rundown. One last thing to note in the story. Um, Wanda is doing all this. Wanda is the reason that that town is messed up. She's brainwashed everybody um, and basically rewrote reality in order to have this whole town just be the way she wants it. This idyllic little world. Wanda's doing all this. So, in a way, she's the villain of the series for, like, the first yeah. half. Um, the first half, yeah. she's She is the villain, essentially. She was brilliant, I thought. Um... I know that we had a little back and forth talking about like whether or not she would stay the villain if there was another force at play. I really wanted her to stay the villain the whole way through. I wanted this to just be Wanda. Because like the whole thing is that like, she's like dealing with her grief of losing vision, of like having messed up so many times in the past with like accidentally killing those people in Sokovia and like then dying during Infinity War and coming back five years later, missing that big time gap. Like... I really wanted her to be the main bad guy and for them to have to, like, get through to her. And we'll get to this a little further on. There's another influence, but she is responsible for making that whole world. I I understand wanting that narrative risk of keeping her the villain longer, but I think that would have been a little bit too unfair to her character because ever since House House of M, she's just been kind of juggled as this, like, you know, oh, she's crazy and she can't control herself, and yeah. and they kind of haven't known what to do with her. Mm-hmm. And even even though she's the inciting incident in House of M, it's not really about her, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. So this kind of feels like House of M, but done justice to her character. Right. So I am very much glad that she wasn't the villain the whole time because. The goal of the show, as has been discussed by its fans, people who analyze it and stuff, is that it's 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 a look at trauma. It's the Marvel version of somebody dealing with their grief and trauma. Oh, absolutely. When you think about it, even though she's only been a side character in the MCU until the show, she has one of the most you know, fucked up and tragic backstories oh, of any of the characters so not far. Not just backstories, just throughout the movies. Like, yeah, backstory-wise, she was, like, she had that moment when, like, Age of Ultron where we learned that, like, 
uh, Tony, one of Tony Stark's missiles killed her family and she was left alone with it for days. But like, even during the movies that we've seen, like, her accidentally killing the Sokovians in Civil War sets off the Civil War, which then sets off, like, the next five movies of the MCU and, like, how everybody's, like, torn apart and no longer together. Like, she did that. And then, mm-hmm. like, and then Vision dies and she, like, fails to save him. And then his death was for nothing because Thanos like brings him back and takes this stone anyway so like she has gone through so much shit which is kind of what I was hoping to see I was wanting to like I know like I'm I know this series is about trauma and this series is about like learning to come to terms with it and like all the unhealthy ways of coping but like I really wanted to see that like push to its limits because I didn't I wanted her to eventually come back around I wanted her to like have her redeeming moment and everything, but I didn't want there to be, like, any other influence on her. I wanted this to, like, all be herself. Just her doing this to this town to try and cope with her loss. And to an extent, it is. To a, uh, yeah, to an extent, yeah. But there is an outside influence, and we'll talk about her in a second, but there is an outside influence that, in the last few episodes, steals what I feel like the emotional weight of, like, here is this character who has gone through so much and is finally broken, and we have to find a way to piece her back together. As far as it being uh, a look at Wanda's trauma. Um, and, and I'm not saying this in a braggadocious way, but I, I called from pretty early <laughs> on that, um, oh, she's she's doing, you know, sitcom hexes because, you know, in Sokovia, that's what she would watch with her family and her brother. I bet that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I think it's the penultimate episode yeah. where we get her extended sort of backstory um, you know, she's in Sokovia with her family. It's it's a war it's a war torn nation. Her dad comes in with a, a briefcase full of you know they're not bootlegs but they're like they're black market you know DVDs of old you know American television shows from mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s, and onward. And like it was her one solace, you know her one her one her one comfort from all the horror that was happening outside of her home. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about sort of the hollowness of nostalgia. Yeah, that sort of like hollow escapism. Mm-hmm. Because so much of, you know, because I've seen mo- a lot of the shows that WandaVision was referencing. I- I'm no expert on 50s and 60s sitcoms, but I've, I've seen your I Love Lucy's, your Honeymooners. Malcolm you in know, the Middle. That kind of stuff. I love Malcolm in the Middle era. Mm-hmm. And um, as good as those shows are, they paint a reality of the time period that isn't the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely a rose-tinted version of the 50s, the 60s, you know. It, oh, it, absolutely. Of course, of course, they don't touch upon, you know, the 50s still had Jim Crow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we didn't have, that wasn't lifted until the late 60s. So it's only fitting that the hollowness of those shows that she loves so much is what she puts into her hexes. It's a, it's a facade just like those shows are in a way. Yeah. And, um, she doesn't realize it or if she does, she doesn't want to acknowledge it because her life has been such hell for so long that she just wants to feel like it's all going to be okay. And the only way she knows how to make it okay is to, is to go back to the, 
only happy moments in her life before which was an illusion. It was always which was an illusion. illusion. Yeah. Before the Stark bomb came and blew up her world literally. Which um God, it's digression, but it's insane how much Tony has screwed over <laughs> the world of the MCU. It's love the guy, he's a hero, he saved the entire universe, but <laughs> And Tony, like we can do a whole episode <laughs> on Tony Stark's character arc across the MCU because that is just a fascinating. That's uh, a good idea. That's a good a, idea. It is a fascinating like arc because he people like people are always talking about Tony Stark and they're like, oh, he's the same character. He keeps making the same mistakes and everything. It's like if you pay, close which is what I've said in the past, you have. <laughs> Uh, but if you pay close attention, like, Tony Stark is going through some deep, deep changes. And, like, mm-hmm. it, it's, 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 it's cyclical, but it's in a cyclical way that moves. Almost like, I would, I would compare it to, like, the way a planet orbits a sun, but a su- sun also orbits something else. Like, it is, it, he is, like, going in a cyclical pattern, but moving forward in a way. And it's very interesting. But, to bring it back to WandaVision, um, We've, we've danced around it for too long. Uh, we need to address. There is an outside influence and an ultimate villain. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. It was Agatha <laughs> all along. So the little comic relief character who's goes by Agnes, um, she turns out to be played the by, to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. Played by one of my favorite character actors recent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her name is Catherine Hahn. I love her to death. She's awesome in everything she does. Oh, she was um, great. She is the villain. Uh, go ahead. Go but on. Yeah, she turns out to be the villain. It turns out that even though Wanda made this whole world the way it was, uh, Agatha has been doing stuff. She's a witch who has been doing little interventions to make sure that the world stays the way it is. Because she's trying to figure out how uh, Wanda got so powerful. So, like, she kills their dog at one point <laughs> to, like, really mess up Wanda's, like, make Wanda more pissed at, like, the military guys outside the, uh, outside the barrier. Uh, she just does little interventions the whole way through that, like, make things, make, make, like, exacerbates Wanda's grief and makes her want to hold on to this world even harder. Um, Agatha's an interesting character. She's, I, she does a great job as the comic relief up until that point, and when she's revealed as the villain... Even though I, I wanted, wanted to be like the main thing through this whole way. Um, I thought it was really interesting for the MCU to bring in like full blown magic in the way that it's done. Cause Dr. Yeah, it kind of went for it. Dr. Strange sort of touches on magic in a weird way. It's, it's interesting how Dr. Strange does it. We can talk about that later, but. Yeah. As a quick comparison, the Doctor so far with the one solo movie that we've had so far with him, that magic is portrayed in a more, like, mystic yeah. sort of way. There's not, like, a like, system so much as just, like, a sort it's, of... It's more, like, cosmic and ethereal. Yeah. sort of While like- the, like, the Wanda and Agnes magic is, like, kind of your, like... 
like the Western fantasy idea. Of yeah. Magic. Like she even yeah, starts yeah. mentioning like like schools of magic, like evocation and illusion and necromancy, and like it's the first time in the MCU where we've gotten like this full blown like oh this is like a full blown fantasy uh, character who has like magical <laughs> powers that aren't covered by some pseudoscience BS or yeah they or, tried to burn her in Salem that that's how like witchy they get with it yeah. is she's, she's they're, a they're actual witch. witches yeah and she's got like a bootleg version of the Necronomicon that she uses in everything the dark hold the dark hold um yeah which is another thing we could digress on but I won't because we're on a good tangent here we um we won't yet the, um she's the dark hold is also part of Marvel lore um I don't know too much about it but okay, I do we are know doing that. The, we are doing the tangent then so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but no I'm just saying that like there's a lot of great lore for those who want to like dig into it because like pretty much everything in the show is pulled from the source material in, in mm-hmm. some way i looked up agatha um, she was like a servant of mephisto or something yeah and she she kind of had a hand in raising wanda mm-hmm. um for a long time in her adolescence and helping her control her chaos magic which is what she's after in wandavision agatha is after wanda's chaos magic she wants to know how she has it, why she's so powerful with it. Turns out Wanda is an ancient prophecy called the Scarlet Witch, uh, which is her character name in the comics, and the first time it's actually referenced here, right? Yeah, which I guess I never realized. Yeah, um, they never call her by her hero name in any of the movies. She's just Wanda. So, yeah, when that happened and she gets her comic-accurate costume, it was like it's like a, oh, hell yeah. It is a little bit. Of a, it is a little bit of a hell yeah moment because I'm always forgetting like more comic accurate costumes in these movies. They like to kind of. Well, no, the MCU's actually been pretty good about not toning them down too much. The X Men movies really toned down like character costumes. Yeah, and stuff, but like, I'm, I'm forever going to be salty <laughs> that we've we've never really gotten Thor in his helmet. Yeah, like. You see it briefly in the first movie, in the very beginning, and then he kind of sort of has a variation of it in Ragnarok. Ragnarok. <laughs> we'll get to that one. Worst MCU movie. We'll get to that one and completely obliterate any fan base we might have built up by that oh, point. Don't worry. If we, listen, I, what, from what I've seen on the internet, people are very rational and like it when you explain your points clearly and with passion and eloquently, and they never, ever get mad at people who disagree with them. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's a very, you know, level-headed place, the internet. The internet is but, utopia. Uh, but anyway, uh, Agatha. Yeah. Agatha. All along. I, I even though I didn't want another villain, I think Agatha works for a secondary villain here for a last minute mm-hmm. throw in twist villain. Um, she's she like she, like I said, she's very funny throughout the first part of the series, and to have like a comic relief turn villain, even though I know that trope's been done, it's not one that I'm terribly used to. Where like somebody who's just kind of like oh they're just here for laughs suddenly turns out to be like a much more serious. Elements than you expected, so it, it takes it takes a lot of talent to pull that that off. Yeah. To switch room off, it, and they did. They do. It worked. I did not see Agatha being the villain uh, until like it actually happened. I did not see it coming. Uh, when she becomes the villain, she kind of becomes an exposition fest. Unfortunately, she she. Brings- I mean, it's 
yeah, yeah, but like I, it's kind of necessary with these kind of narratives, you it, know. It like, is, but they throw in a lot of stuff in the penultimate episode of like, here's how magic works, and also we're going to go back through your childhood and stuff. And the childhood, I love the extended backstory that we get with Wanda, but Agatha, yeah, some of the most emotional emotional stuff of the show is it is. It is. Stuff. But Agatha is really only there as a sort of guide through that, so she doesn't really get a good. Like, her whole motivation is just to get power for power's sake. Like, we get little hints that maybe she wants more than that. Like, she might have a deeper motivation. But, like, for the most part, it's, I want power for power's sake. I want to have the chaos magic of the Scarlet Witch. Like, she's kind of just generic, oh, I'm a bad guy because I am a bad guy. Yeah, um... You know, it's 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 funny. I mean, I guess like I was just so invested in the emotional aspect of the of the story. Yeah, that's another thing I didn't realize is that her motivation is kind of the cliche. I want power to have the power, but it works for me because for one, she's a very fun character played by a great actress. Yeah, and um, everybody knows the meme. It's not really a meme; it's just a criticism. Everybody knows the criticism by now that the MCU tends to not have the greatest villains. Yeah. But uh, she she works because she's acted well, and she's a good foil mentally and physically for Wanda. And when she does her turn, she acts, she's intimidating. Like, mm-hmm. you get the sense that she could wreck shit up. You get the sense that even though she's not as powerful as Wanda, she's much, much smarter. Like, mm-hmm. she actually knows what she's doing, whereas you find out that Wanda is basically an uber-powered noob who's been, like, playing on god mode this whole time. So, it's really interesting to see how they kind of, like, in their battle, how it kind of plays out, because you have Wanda kind of throwing around these big power moves, but Agatha actually knows what she's doing with her power, so she's... Yeah, she's much more concise. Yeah. She knows where to hit, how to hit, while Wanda's just kind of like... Yeah, and I'll say this, uh, and this is a good transition, she makes a much better villain than generic sword director, whose name I already forgot again. <laughs> Hayward. Hayward. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Hayward for a second. Um, his whole... Why? <laughs> well, no, he, 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 he's important to the he plot. He is important to the plot. Here's the thing. Uh, Hayward and Sword had Vision's body. Vision was dead. They had the body, and they were basically trying to rebuild him. Uh, Wanda came in prior to the series. We find this out in the penultimate episode. She came in prior to the series and wanted Vision to bury so that she could have closure. Uh, Hayward basically says, no, you can't do that. He's ours. We're going to like learn all we yeah. can from the body and yeah, uh, he's not a life he's property you know the yeah generic the spiel they give you every time uh, an artificial intelligence has has a mind of its own <laughs> he's 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 the basic evil army general where it's like i have to get as much power for the for the u.s government that i can and it's like that's all he's up to um so after that wanda actually leaves without taking vision which i thought was really interesting that like because like the whole way it's played up early on you think oh she stole vision's body and then used it to bring him back to life but turns out she left the body there and she recreated vision from her memories and stuff which means the real vision is out there and using part of the hex or something i don't really remember they use part of the hex the hayward guy uses it to recreate 
create Vision. They bring him back as like this all-white version of Vision, except with none of his memories, and he's basically just a killing machine for the military. Yeah, just a weapon. He's yeah. he's the weapon version of Vision. That they want. None of the- yeah. So, final episode, which this is the big ending that a lot of people have strong opinions on. Um, we end up having Agatha versus Wanda. And Agatha has Wanda's kids who we shit shit, we didn't talk about the kids at all, did we? We didn't. We need to talk about the kids real quick. Uh so Wanda creates her own kids. Um it was very Which also happens in the comics. Yeah. It was very And because comics is it's incredibly convoluted. So yeah. it was really <laughs> that whole episode in and of itself. <laughs> It was really weird because, like, she's suddenly pregnant in one episode, and then she just suddenly jumps through her pregnancy. Like, she gives birth to them, like, the next episode, even though it's been, like, a day in universe. And then, like, she, like, jumps up the kids' ages. And the whole time, I was like, okay, there are all these people who are brainwashed who are real people. Is she, like, just switching these kids out with other people's kids the whole time? Oh god, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I, that. That was where my brain was going. Is like every time she wanted the kids to be older or something, she just switched them out with a different pair of kids or something. And I was like, God, this is so dark. It turns out she just made them the same way that she just made a new vision. Um, and these kids end up having powers. Uh, one of them has his uncle Quicksilver's powers, super speed, and then one of them has sort of like Wanda's powers. Um, yeah. Kind of hexy, sort of yeah. nebulous magic power. Which we're pretty sure. I mean, it's has it been officially confirmed, or is everybody just like, yeah, we know that these two characters are Wiccan and uh, what's the other one called? Is it is it Speed? Is it something generic like that? Speedy Boy, Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but there are two characters from the Young, Aver- Young Avengers Young series. Avengers. Yeah, which is getting its own series. Yes. Yeah, Speed. His name is Speed. Yeah. So it hasn't been confirmed yet that they're doing it, but I mean, you don't introduce Wiccan and Speed in such a substantial role and not have plans to, you know. And they're introducing Kate Bishop in the new Hawkeye show that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think they're building toward a new slash Young Avengers roster. We've already got in the, ne- the next decade or so. Yeah, we've already got scrolls, so Hulkling's probably going to be a thing, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she basically makes these kids, and it turns out, um, during the final episode, during the final fight, Agatha basically calls out Wanda and is like, hey, I didn't do this to all these people. That's on you. And Wanda's like, oh, crap, I've really messed these people up. There's this really, like, upsetting scene where I think Agatha releases the control Wanda has over a bunch of the people in town. And they just run up to Wanda. And they don't, like, fight her because they're, like, too scared to fight her. But they're all just, like, begging her to release the town and, like, free them. And they're like, I haven't seen my son in days. And, like, I just want to go home and stuff like that. And it's really gut-wrenching. Yeah, like, she she doesn't, like, the people, they're still there. They're not, like, written out. The magic doesn't, like wipe them out like memory wise it's they're still still they're still buried there yeah trapped imprisoned in in, in the characters she creates for them it's really so, dark it's like yeah the she screwed over this town mighty really hard um and these characters um she des- she finally decides to free them even though this whole time she's been like controlling them but she finds out if that if she releases the hex then vision and her kids who she created out of nothing will disappear 
Uh, so that's the big dilemma in the final episode is like, I have to keep the hex up or else my family will die again. Which is a great motivation because now she's torn between I know what I'm doing's wrong, but also I can't keep doing this. I can't maintain the illusion anymore. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it kind of gets buried under another CGI hero fight between Agatha and Wanda. Uh, they kind of fly around and throw magic at each other. I will say... Uh, what I really loved from the final episode was the vision and vision debate. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm always a fan with the MCU when they do un- unorthodox climaxes between like a hero and an antagonist. Like they did in uh, Doctor Strange. I really like how instead of like him just beating up Dormammu or whatever, he just like uses a time stone to basically annoy Dormammu to death <laughs> over and over and over again, stick him in a time loop. Uh, here, the created Vision and the original Vision, who's had his memory wiped, have a discussion about which one of them is the real Vision and what it means to exist, uh, which... We haven't talked too much about actually Vision's arc throughout all of this. Yeah, I figured we'd we'd get into that once we got to, you know, Hex Vision and Sword Vision. So Wanda's whole arc throughout the series is about grief and coming to terms with it and trying to escape it and all the, like, bad coping mechanisms she has. Vision's arc through this is like, I don't even really know how to describe, how would you describe it? He, hmm, for the first half of the show... He's kind of passive, um, cause, you know, he's, he's created from her memories, um, but he gathers enough autonomy. I guess she, it's never really explicitly explained. I guess he's created from, cause they love each other and she loves him so much. His hex, cause he's, he's a hex, you know, he's a living hex. I guess it's so well recreated that he just kind of has the wherewithal to be more observant than everybody else and see through the cracks and notice that something's not right and that she might be doing something wrong. And then I can't remember if like she lets it slip that he was dead or if he, does he remember that? I can't, God, we should probably have the details more clear before we talk about it. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, but, um, I think he finds it out on his own. I think he, yeah, no, he talks to Agnes, actually. That's right. Yeah. Agnes tells him because he releases her, even though she was technically free the whole time. Uh, he release, he, Vision apparently has the power to, like, release the hold Wanda has on everybody. Um, and he talks to Agnes and she tells him he died. Uh, so this vision is now trying to figure out, like, he doesn't remember the Avengers. He doesn't remember his life. He just remembers being with Wanda. So it was like the idyllic version of, not vision, but the idyllic version of the life that Wanda wanted to have with vision the whole time. So there's this arc of, like, vision figuring out that his life is too perfect and that people are suffering because of it. Like, it's such an interesting arc because he he basically has to realize that not only does he have to give up his perfect life, but he also has to confront the person he loves most to make them give up their perfect life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also basically die yeah. again. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, like, the moral core of this show. Like, he's the one who wants everything to, like, go right 
Like, he's like, I, I know what's going on now, and I can't blind myself to it anymore. We have to fix this, even if it means that we lose everything again. Which is, is great, and I think his final debate with the original Vision is really interesting, and I'm inter- I'm interested to see how they bring the original Vision back, because he, like, flies yeah. off, and we don't really know yeah, what happens um, to him. Because Hex Vision gives him the memories, gives the actual Vision body that Sword recreated the memories, and it's it, it's the whole thing of, like, what makes life, what what is a person... What is a living thing? What is a being? Like, is it flesh and blood? Is it memories? Like the whole ship of Theseus thing, which they talk about. Yeah, like the does if something is rots away and like is rebuilt plank by plank, is it still the same thing? And I'm trying to remember this right. I really should have rewatched this scene before we did this podcast. <laughs> but I think they the conclusion that the hex vision comes to basically is that. Uh, the ship of Theseus to follow the Metathor is an idea. It's like a continuation of an idea. It's not. It's not the pieces it's made of. It's not the. It's not the work that went into it. It's the idea of the ship of Theseus. What you believe the ship of Theseus is is the ship of Theseus, and that's basically like if you believe that you are Vision, if you believe that you are real, then you can be real again. Um. Which is a very yeah, I can a, get behind that. A very interesting sort of point to take because this whole series is about how uh, believing in something that isn't real is like an escape, is like a coping mechanism that Wanda uses to deal with her grief. But here we see the opposite side of it. We see how Vision believing in something being real. Uh, is a positive thing. It's something that he uses to confirm his identity and like, like help the original quote unquote vision, uh, sort of regain himself, even if for just a moment. So I thought it was really interesting that they brought in this other side, like they, that kind of counters the whole narrative, like thematic. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a it's definitely a yin and yang. Yeah, where you know Wanda uses her her powers to 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 stamp down and you know blind people and entrap them. Vision uses his to to help somebody and set somebody free. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting moment. Big CGI fight between Wanda and. Agatha, the sword guys come in, but nobody cares about the sword guys. Yeah. The kids beat them up, I think. <laughs> they did, yes. Yeah. Which, you know, fan service, you know, because they are superheroes in the Marvel Universe in their yeah. own right. Yeah. You know, priming us for the inevitable Young Avengers movie or TV show that is coming. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the big CGI fight. I know that's kind of a thing with, with comic book movie fans now, is that because we've been so inundated with all of these movies for so long now... Like, people get kind of burnt out on the, oh, they're flying around again, they're hitting each other again. But it, it depends on the execution, of course. But, like, I'm always like, yeah, but, like, it's comics, you know? Like, yeah, but that's, was- that's, that's what comics is. So, yeah. <laughs> you kind of, like, you, you need your, your big CGI fights because you can't represent the comics today as, as, as you read them but I without was- CGI, for one thing. And you, you want to see the costumes and the capes, you know, flying at each other. Right. And that's that's great. But I feel like this fight 
in particular is very lackluster because they have, they've established magic as something that they can do. And there are moments where they do some very interesting things with it. But in the final moments, especially, it basically boils down to them just throwing bolts of energy at each other. Like, Wanda throws red bolts, and Agatha throws purple bolts, and they just kind of throw those back and forth at each other while they're waving their hands around in a big CGI-scape, and it's like... Oh, well, well, well wait a second, though. Um, she does kind of pull a Doctor Strange switcheroony. Um, remember uh, when... How it go? Agnes establishes that, like... When there's runes around, like... Yeah, no, I was going to get to that part, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, well, go ahead. But uh, She actually beats her, because Agatha earlier used a bunch of these runes, So, and she explains that if you have a room set up with all these runes, then only the witch who made them can use magic there. And that ends up being how Wanda beats her, which is creative, but visually up until that point, it's basically them just throwing energy bolts at each other. Yeah, eh, fair enough. But yeah, I think it's a very creative like way for her to beat Agatha. I just wish that she was, they had visually made it more interesting because they're literally just flying around in the air, throwing bolts of energy at each other until finally the runes kick in. So yeah, fair enough. I can see that it's, it's, it's not a particularly, visually interesting or unique fight until Wanda pulls the, oh, look, you're in my house and there's runes. You can't do shit trick. Um, and I feel like, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, I still enjoyed it, even though it's mostly just, you know, the two things hitting each other finale. I feel like, especially with Agatha though, like they, they suddenly establish, Oh, here's magic. And here's all these ways that magic can be used. I feel like I really wanted to see more of Agatha just going all out, like turn into a swarm of bats or like, like bring some skeletons out of the ground, just do some all kinds of crazy witch shit. And like, well, that would that would have been cool. It would have been really cool to see her like counter Wanda's raw power with like all these this variety of magic, and we get glimpses of that. They do little yeah, get, bits of that. Get trippy, get trippy with it. Yeah, like Doctor Strange does. You know, like that movie uh, for what it's like plot is kind of generic and repetitive. Like that movie got it's real just Iron Man with magic. Yeah, <laughs> but that movie gets real trippy with like its visual effects and stuff. And I wanted some of that, but with like some more like Western magic kind of stuff that they had set up there. So uh, I hate I hate I hate the term missed opportunity because it it, it kind of it's kind of meaningless. Yeah, but I, yeah, I guess it could be kind of a missed opportunity in that like Agnes didn't get to display more create creativity with her powers because when we have her flashback when she's burning at the stake and then she turns the power back on the people that are burning her, like that's some pretty dark stuff for the MCU. Yeah, they get the life and sucked out of them. Yeah, they basically turn into zombies. And, ooh, that, that's cool. Like, that would have been cool if she kind of did more stuff like that. Zombified the townspeople or something. Yeah, do some crazy stuff. Just d- use Wanda's psyche against her more, kind of like Mysterio did in Far From Home. Yeah. Something like that. But, um... Anyway, big fight finishes, Wanda wins. Wanda does a really dark move and, like, forces Agatha to think she's Agnes again. It's pretty freaking bleak, actually. <laughs> she just she just full-on turns Agatha into Agnes, like she brainwashes her, and that's, like, her final fate, is to think that she's Agnes forever with no powers or whatever. Which is pretty messed up, because as we've established, underneath that, she's still aware, aware of everything going on. Um... Mm-hmm. 
But then she finally brings down the hex, and there's a very touching and sad moment where she loses her family. Like, we slowly, we see, like, the whole hex come down slowly, and uh, the kids disappear, and she and Vision have, like, one last talk, and, like, he disappears, and then Wanda goes off on her own to kind of figure out how magic works. We Last we see her, she's doing, like, an Incredible Hulk in the wilderness, uh, like, in a cabin just kind of surviving on her own, trying to figure out how her powers work on the run from the government because mm-hmm. she's still literally kidnapped the town and she can't, yeah. go, she can't go back. It's actually yeah. tortured a town. Yeah. But yeah, that basically wraps up the series. Um, and there's hints, there's hints of other things in the finale too. Uh, yeah, of course they, it's, it's Marvel. They drop hints and threads for yeah. everything under the sun. Yeah, Monica um, gets powers like halfway through the series and, she, uh, because, yeah, because going in and out of the hex so many times, like, alters her physical makeup mm-hmm. on, like, a molecular level. So, Monica Rambeau, um, is now a superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hasn't coined a moniker yet or really got to use her powers much, but we will be seeing more of her. It's Photon um, in the comics, right? Photon? Yeah, um, I don't know what she goes by right now, but she was, she was Captain Marvel for a time, and then she turned into Photon. I think she also went by something. I think she went by Pulsar. Okay. To she has she's one of those characters that just has gone through reinvention after reinvention. Yeah. I I, I assume they're going to give her the name of um, Photon. Okay. Which I, I was just going to say, which I'm excited about because she's a standout character in the show and um very likable character, very interesting character, and I would I'm very excited to see more. If anything, this is well. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is really a criticism or not. I would have liked to see more of her because she has a very interesting arc with like dealing with her mother's death and everything and the blip and all that. And also she's like the only person outside of the uh, hex that recognizes like what Wanda's going through, all the pain that she's going through and yeah. having to deal with that. Um, but uh, I really would have liked to have seen more of her just develop a little bit more, but the show was focused on Wanda, which is it should have yeah, been. Wanda it Vision. needed to be. It's yeah. called Wanda Vision. It's about them. It needed to be focused on them, and it was. So that's good. I hope we just get a little bit more of her, a little more developed for her for uh, future uh, series or whatever. Well, we will because there's that stinger where um, was it one of the sword characters who reveals themselves to be a scroll? Yeah, I think so. Because they're making Secret Wars as well mm-hmm. with Fury. Nick Fury is going to be the main character in Secret Wars. So I'm assuming that Nick Fury is going to head up the, you know, sort of the, the team. How are they going to do Secret Wars? Because in Secret Wars, the scrolls are the oh. bad guys. And yeah. the MCU has very clearly established the scrolls are like a group of refugees hiding. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be like a faction of a faction of of scrolls. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I assume. I don't assume. I know. Um, Monica is definitely going to be in Secret Wars with Nick Fury and Captain Marvel we'll too, get, and, and whatever. Do you think they'll have Captain Marvel in Secret Wars? Because it's going to be a show. It's not going to be a movie. No, I mean she'll also be in Captain Marvel too. Oh, oh, movie, oh, 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 yeah. Not Captain Marvel as well. No, no I didn't mean also Captain Marvel. So, um, yeah. Before before we talk about what it sets up, um, I want to talk about Wanda's 
ending a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I read most people enjoyed the final episode. Some people didn't like it. Um, I've heard, I saw a lot of people say that they, they thought Wanda got off too easy for what she did. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it that way because the hex drops, the people beg and plead for her to make it stop, to give them their lives back. Um, she sees what she's done. And then once it's dropped completely, she's completely ostracized. You know, they look at her like she's this evil monster. She has nowhere to go. She has no family. She doesn't, she doesn't have anything but her, but her magic. She's basically like Bruce Banner was. And she's like yeah, out and so, in the woods. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what more people wanted I, f- as p- penance, I but think, I think being on the run without any, without a soul in her life, is is a pretty good sort of you know place to leave her. I think it was less about um uh, about where she ends up as a character, and maybe more about like especially with like Monica, the way that like Monica sort of portrays uh, Wanda's trauma and everything. Like Monica is very much somebody who's like, I understand the pain that you've gone through, and that's part of her character. I think it absolutely works because Monica has also gone through all this heavy loss and all this sudden upheaval after having like been dis like disappeared for five years. But uh I think a lot of people like think that Monica maybe let her off a little too easy because it's like Monica's like, oh yeah, you're gonna be a on the run now. Um but, you know, I believe in you. I I believe you're a good person or whatever. And it's like, she's still tortured a whole town of people. You're kind of cutting her a lot of slack here. I think it's less about, like, how she actually ends up narratively and more like maybe the way that the show is, like, portraying her as she gets off. Like, oh, you should I mean, feel a little... You should feel more sympathetic for her, even though she literally tortured a town of people. I mean, that's just kind of how redemption in fantastical fiction works. Yeah. I mean, morality has to be romanticized and stretched in these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't say in real life, because it's not real life. Like, we don't have all-powerful witches in in real life who trap towns to deal with, 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 their, with their trauma. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like... In this, in the narrative itself, we know that at heart, one is a good person. We know that deep down, she really doesn't want to hurt people. We are, and, gonna get, we are going to get into our civil war argument again if we yeah. keep pushing this about whether or not intention matters versus the pragmatic ethics of. I know. I mean, like, people. if if we can redeem Tony Stark, we can redeem Wanda. Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. So I, I don't think there's an issue with how she was left off or treated by Monica at all, yeah. personally. I, I just understand where people are coming from, because as I've kind of hinted at during the Civil War, we had a very strong argument on this versus of uh, whether or not a character is intentionally good versus the pragmatic ethics of allowing a character to continue doing what they're doing when it causes so much negative consequence. Um, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people are sort of falling on the other side is like, she kind of gets away, even though she's now alone on her own, it's not so much that we're worried about that, it's the fact that she is alone out there and still has the power to do this to other people. She's like, she's like still technically a threat. And like... But that's the case with any superhero, yeah, though, you know? Yeah. 
And that was kind of the point of Civil War, but we're dipping too much into that. Let's get to, um, let's talk about sort of some final thoughts on the series in general. I probably said it in the beginning. I don't remember if I did, but WandaVision, Hook, Line, and Sinker pulled me right back into the MCU when I wasn't feeling it. If every every Disney Plus series takes as many risks as this one does, I will be absolutely happy, even if some of them are flops. Because this one does not feel... Like, maybe the last couple episodes, it starts to feel a bit like a generic Marvel movie where it's got, like, here's the generic bad guy, and we're going to have a generic bad guy fight. But, like, the majority of the series is new. It's refreshing. It's not all just... Uh, we're going to go fight these people. It's like, hey, what's going on? We've got this mystery. We've got some real sort of existential dread going on. Like, it's very different from anything the MCU's put out so far. Yeah, the the emotional stakes of the show are some of the, the realest and most investing and strongest of the entire franchise. It's very character grounded, which is great. Uh, and it has a few hiccups along the way, mm-hmm. but... For the most part, I think it's a brilliant show. Um, it's probably my favorite MCU thing since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, I guess that's a semi-divisive take because most people love Guardians 2, but some people really hate it. Yeah. But I, I love it to death. We should talk about and, Guardians 2 at some point. I love yeah. Guardians 2. I think you and I are sort of in the same boat there. Yeah. Hell, let's talk about it right now. Let's keep, <laughs> let's keep this going. Yeah, let's just talk about every MCU film real quick. This is going to be I mean, our 38-hour I mean, yeah. podcast. We, I mean, if anything, we could just, like, cut whatever we're about to talk about now into another episode. Now, uh, you know? we, won't, we won't do all that. We will eventually <laughs> get to talking about the MCU. There's plenty to talk about in the oh, MCU. It's God, a, is there ever. And there's, there's nothing. It's over a decade of movies at this point. And shows. Yeah. There's so much. We could talk about that for weeks, and we probably um, will total. Yeah. And like you were saying, if all the other Disney Plus shows are this quality, then we're in good hands. Mm-hmm. So far we are. I haven't completely caught up with Falcon and Winter Soldier yet, but it's just as good as WandaVision so far. Really? Um, I haven't started yes. it yet. I think so. Um, I... I I'm loving it. I haven't seen the past two episodes. I just haven't had the time because of work and stuff. Yeah. It, it's hot take. It's what I wanted Civil War to be. Mm. Um, it's no spoilers. I know because you haven't started. I don't think it's spoilers, but it it does the same kind of like down and like deep character work that WandaVision has, did. Um, it's And it's also probably one of the more violent things in the MCU. Interesting. And it also incorporates a lot of lore from the Marvel Universe in really great ways like WandaVision did. Yeah. So they're so far with these two shows, and unless Winter Soldier Falcon and Winter Soldier totally shits the bed, which I don't think it will mm-hmm. in the last episode. Um they're two for two with this. Uh and there's a there's a lot of care going mm-hmm. into these shows. And the Loki show looks just as good. Yeah. Um God, I can't so, wait for She-Hulk. Can't wait yep. for she Hulk. I almost forgot how much they're doing. They're doing. We got Loki coming out in the fall, I think. Um, there's a there's like a Marvel What If, which is the animated show. Oh, that's gonna be great. I'm a sucker for good animation, and Marvel needs some good animation. They got that Disney money behind it, so yeah. We should uh, talk the about Hawkeye this. show is in production right now. We got She-Hulk going into production soon. 
all kinds of all just all kinds of stuff. We should talk about some of the Marvel animated movies sometime because there's some there's some good parts in some of them. I don't think they're like complete trash. I think there's definitely like some quality among the animated Marvel movies. Uh, they don't have a candle to the DC ones, but like I think the only ones I like are the first is the first Ultimate Avengers, mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought the Planet Hulk animated movie was decent. It, it is a it is a decently faithful adaptation of the Hulk Planet Hulk storyline. Unlike. Oh, that movie makes me so angry. We've talked about it. We're going to talk about it in every podcast. And that should just be our final episode. (laughs) We we bring it up in every episode of the podcast. And then when we finally decide to quit, it will just be our scathing review of Thor Ragnarok. And then we'll just bounce. (laughs) You said that's a good idea. But but prelude to that, prelude to that eventually. Mm -hmm. um, I said that it's, you said that it's faithful to the comic, unlike Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of comic fan that pisses on a comic book movie if it's not just like the comics. No. I, I'm a movie guy first and foremost. What I care about is the movie, the story, what it does. Yeah. But 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 Ragnarok is so egregious. It is. It, an it not only it not only it not only completely craps the bed on the Ragnarok story. Yeah. It craps the bed on the Hulk's most famous story in like the past and two it decades. Just, yeah. It, it's two big steaming poos rolled into one well, just. Oh, okay, we we can't keep talking about Ragnarok, especially in our one division review. Oh, I know what it's time for. It's time for review review. We're gonna oh, review, review review. Yes, yeah. I like that. I like that this is going to be a thing. Yeah, where we take reviews that other people have had, uh, just audience reviews because critics talk too long. I mean, we're talking for an hour and a half about this. We can't review another person's hour and a half rant about these movies and shows. But uh, from Rotten Tomatoes, ninety one percent of critics locked. This series and eighty one percent of audience like this critic uh, like this series. Oh, that's a little lower than I would have thought. I guess probably because of the Ralph Boner thing. Yeah, some of that, <laughs> some of the loose ends that weren't really tied in, up. Um, but here are some of the reviews that I found uh, interesting from some of the audience reviews. This is from AI Space A, or maybe it's Al A. I can't tell if that's a lowercase L or an uppercase I. Uh, they say. What a missed opportunity. Many. Especially uh, with Quicksilver. Term I hate. <laughs> I, I loved the Scarlet Witch and was a huge Avengers fan when I was young. The show was just a letdown all over. I'm also tired of people who touch one Infinity Stone were made nearly as powerful as the guy wearing all five. Woke TV at its worst. Monica Rambeau was made a token oh, no, of the cool character it. written in the book. She was also super annoying as a character. Also, you can torture a town, then get told they will never know what you gave up. Oh, poor Scarlet Witch. No wonder Iron Man wanted them all registered. Two out of five stars. God damn it. That was basically I, I, every I, element that you said you didn't want to criticize the show on wrapped up into one criticism. I just, I I want to just immediately go past this just because he had to pull out, I'm assuming it's a he, sorry. I think it's Al, I think it's Al but A, sir. They had to pull out the whole woke car, like, it's gotten to the point where any any film, TV show, whatever, with a couple of vaginas in it is considered woke oh, by God, yeah. fucking neckbeard pains in the asses. I hate it's just so shut up, like, 
women exist. Yeah. They're gonna be in nerdy things. Just get used to it. Worse, a black woman is in this series and plays a major role. I like role. how they call how is, I like how they don't explain how Monica's a token. Mm-hmm. A token in what way? Because she's the only prominent African-American character? Or because she's a person of color character? Because uh, Wu is also a person of color character in the show. Mm-hmm. So, what's your point? Where's the... Hey, hey. Where's the token? thing you're talking about here women exist black people exist that's not even politics <laughs> they're real it's not even no you're i'm sorry that's exist. where we're at that's where we're at now it's just like <laughs> everything is political even how, when it's not how dare you be that's your politics that's the stance you're taking get over yourselves and i get being disappointed in the ralph boner thing yes like that is a legitimate grievance but it's not such a grievance that it ruins everything in the show. It's not a series or inner. No, like, and that's another thing. Allow me to let me to digress even further. Mm-hmm. I there's this there's this mentality. Like, I don't know how much you come across it, but since I'm like the movie buff, I'm always seeing it. Like, people seem to hyper focus on one element of a movie yeah. that they don't like, and it completely ruins the whole thing. Like, I, I know taste is subjective and, yeah. like, people's reactions to the thing are subjective, but, like, I've seen just seen so many comments over the years of, like, movies and stuff where people are like, uh, da-da-da-da-da, but, like, this one part I didn't like, therefore, movies suck. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, how, how can one, if, if I let little things in a movie I don't like ruin the movie for me, I wouldn't like anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, unless it's, like, an egregious, like, moral moment where suddenly, like, hey, this movie's suddenly advocating for, like, racism or something. It's like, that one moment is not going to ruin, like, like, a whole thing for me. Like, a a crappy special effect or, like, a goofy line of dialogue or, like, a plot contrivance isn't enough to ruin an entire experience. I do do think in series like this, where there's so much mystery build-up, uh, it gets exacerbated a bit because people are like, they have all these theories that they're holding to so strongly. And then when their theories turn out to be wrong, they get upset anyway. So if they turn out to that's be wrong, <laughs> or, or if, they get, if they turn out to be wrong and not just wrong, but wrong in a way that's like very much like, oh, you were totally wrong. You were so off the mark. Ha ha. Like the show's almost kind of like playfully shutting down their theory, then they're like, well, screw you, show! Because that kind of is what the show did, is like, oh, yeah, you all thought yeah, this was going to yeah, be... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Everybody, they, they knew what they were doing. By oh, yeah, of course they did. That's, so, yeah, they, they totally knew. So that's going to that's gonna piss off a few people. Uh, but so, yeah, narratively, <laughs> yeah. but narratively, Ralph Boner still aids in the development of Wanda, so it's not a total loss as yeah. far as the actual show is concerned. No. It's just a loss... Future. Oh, my, my pet theory for the expansion of the universe wasn't yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, screw you, Al. <laughs> we like <laughs> yeah. the theories and you don't. Um, yeah. Vaginas exist. People of color exist. Sorry, Relax. Sorry to break that <laughs> to you. Step outside for once in a while. Uh, you are not M, said. It's starting really good, and at end, we got some kind of message that th- torture 3,000 plus people is somehow justifiable if you are sad. Like, <laughs> Four out of five it's, stars, it's, though. See, it's like people hear a criticism and then just decide to parrot it without like thinking for themselves. Mm-hmm. You could take the nuance of how it ended and be like, oh, well, I don't think 
her consequences were strong enough. Mm-hmm. But to say that the show said it, it was okay to torture a town full of people is just completely false. Yeah. Completely false. You can say that it's it let her off true. too easy, perhaps, at least, like, yes. morally, but, like, saying that it was totally okay. No, it, it the show yeah. definitely shows, like, how reprehensible those actions were. Like, she I mean, was the villain for most yes. of that series. <laughs> the show goes out of its way to make you sympathize with these people that are under the spell. So, I mean, you see a whole sequence where on the outskirts of town where they're glitching in and out and there's tears running down their face. Like in no way does the show in any way advocate for what she did because she was in pain. Like that's just, you can say it wasn't handled the best. I I disagree, but it's fine, but shut up. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alex M says, it's really just that, meh. Not much to nothing happens for eight episodes, and then we learn that Wanda is a red witch that, like Hulk, she needs hide in a remote hut, upgraded since Edward Norton times, and like Doctor Strange, she can educate herself while out of body. Will they join forces in the next movie to wield combined orange power? That's the question. 2.5 out of 5 stars. I mean, I don't... So many of these reviews are just so cynical for the sake of being cynical. Yeah. Not much happens for eight episodes. Like, did you watch the first eight episodes? The, the entire show is is incident after incident. Like, the only episode in the show that you can say nothing happens is the first episode. And th- even that's not true. Because it ends with the creepy, my husband's choking, stop it, stop it, stop it scene. It's like... like it's like this person just wanted to see how this connects to the next MCU property. It's like, I don't care about the actual story going on here. Just tell me how it ties into the next Doctor Strange yes, movie. That, and I didn't want to get into that, but that's a thing with the MCU. And I'm not going to, not the entire fan base, of course. That's not what I'm saying. It's been around so long. Some of the fan base seems to just have been trained to look forward to the clues and hints and ties to the next thing instead of enjoying the thing they have now that's happening. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's all about what's happening next and not the story that I'm watching now, which it's really sad because it's just, it's, it's a bad side effect of what Marvel has accomplished. The it's so, it's so weird to look back on because when it first, when they first started doing this, when they first started interconnecting a cinematic universe, it was like nobody's ever done something on uh, like this on this scale before. This is insane. I can't believe yeah. all of these movies are tied together in one cohesive narrative. And now that they're doing it, it's like yeah, there is definitely like the side effect of ah crap, everything is tied together. So everybody's only yeah, going to talk about how it ties together and. All, even the movie is going to take a good portion of its time to just show how it's tied to the other movies. I mean, I, I see it so much with some of the way fans talk about the newer movies and, and now the shows. Like, I'll, I'll cruise the Marvel Studios Reddit, which is a pretty good subreddit, um, pretty welcoming, mm-hmm. um, not a lot of drama. But there'll be so many comments to be like, especially for WandaVision because it's the most recent thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, but like, it just didn't feel like it expanded the universe enough. And I'm like, that's not why is like I I get that that's part of what the franchise is, but like that should only be the dessert after the main course. Yeah. Like if you're going into the next Marvel thing, just wanting to know what it's building up to, like yeah. that. 
like that's, that's, it's an inevitable, no. that's marketing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what marketing like that's, is. <laughs> that's being invested in the brand yeah. over anything else. Enjoy the stories as they are, and you can get hype about the next thing. That's great, but like it shouldn't be your main focus. Here's one that. Uh, maybe scares me a little bit. John K says the first few episodes, especially the first, are painful. Stick with it though, and by episode five, you'll be wanting more. Season two is much better, as each episode is really good. Three point five out of five stars. Season two. Um... Season two of Wandavision. I'm wondering if maybe he reviewed the wrong series here. Did or, he time travel? Or, or if he's like from a parallel universe where we got a season two, season two. of this limited maybe, series maybe run. Meant, maybe he meant the second half of the season. But I don't know. God, I hate to sound. I, God, I don't. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be the jerk of the podcast, aren't I? I'm going to be the opinionated jerk of the podcast. Maybe. <laughs> I. It's. It's disappointing to me that so many people were so thrown off by the first three episodes just because it was different. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get I get it being jarring if it's not what you're expecting, but, like, people really were pissed off about it at first. It's only until Exposition Episode 4, which is, I, it's not a bad episode, but it's the weakest episode of the series from a storytelling perspective because it's just, literally just exposition, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, the first three episodes, people were like, I don't know about this, this sucks, like, it's boring, I don't want this. Which is weird, because those were, like, the most invested I was in the series, was the first three. Like, when I didn't understand what was going on, that was where I felt like the series was at its best, was when it was still building up all of its intrigue. But I don't want to harp on it too much, because it's a vocal minority. Um, the fan, it, it's yeah. The fans love it for the most part. Yeah. 81% of audiences loved it. Adam A. says, It's so nice to watch an episode and be kept guessing throughout the week on the lead-up to the next episode. 4.5 out of 5 stars. I think that's nice. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. But I think this show really did benefit from its weekly release. Mm-hmm. 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 I think Adam there agrees with us. So, good on you, Adam. Patrick G. This is our last one. Patrick G. said, It should be a long movie or more than nine episodes long. First five episodes are too random, and I was very involved. Five out of five stars. <laughs> so they put two different criticisms in here and no positive notes, but they gave it a perfect score. So, um... Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I mean... Without the without the credits, it is a long movie. Yeah. Um. I mean, just narratively, it's just one long story. So, if you take out the beginning and ending credits, it's a big movie, yeah. basically. I think people forgot so, what limited series are. Yeah. I just I just think people are just so used to um binging things now. Yeah. That when they have to wait a week, it throws them off because. They can't just go from one episode to the next to the next to the next to the next. So then, like, did he did he say it felt like too fast or disjointed or something? He just says first five episodes are too random, and I was very involved. It should random be how they, they they each follow up from the. <laughs> I, I guess maybe the week wait is what gave him the impression that it's too random. I don't yeah. know. I don't know either. Anyway, that covers all the reviews that I found interesting. Um, any final thoughts? I guess we kind of already did final thoughts. Kind of did final thoughts. Uh, yeah. Really right. great show. One of the, one of the best things in the MCU altogether, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Tyler doesn't do number scores because he is afraid of math, but I'm going to give this series 
a six out of uh nine Six out of nine. Six out of nine (laughs) robots. I'm just, I'm going to keep changing the metric every time. Last time it was like four out of five bananas. This time it's six out of nine robots. Just because I want to feel included, I will give it eight and a half Ralph Boners out of ten generic Dr. Tyler Haywood villains. Yeah. I'm going to make my (laughs) 6.5 because I too like to use GameStop scores where we have like point systems for no reason. So 6.5 out of 9 robots. Uh, but this has been Tongue and Geek, uh, our weekly, po- our semi-weekly, our possibly weekly, we don't know, we've only done two, two of these so far, uh, podcast where again, two more white guys on the internet give their unrequested opinions on popular culture. Don't tell my mom. Don't tell his mom. <laughs> <laughs>